This is Strange Assembly, episode 301, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. I know that at the end of episode 300, I said that our next episode would probably be another Vampire the Masquerade one, and, well, a review copy of a Dungeons and Dragons book showing up on my doorstep is the sort of reasons why I say probably when I make statements like that. We're here today to talk about Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, the newest supplement for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, releases on May 18th, 2021. Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is, at its core, mostly a campaign setting book. I love D&D setting books, and Ravenloft is the first time we've seen one of the classic old settings expounded on for 5th edition. I'm sorry, even Eberron does not count as a classic old setting for me, even though it's about 15 years old at this point. But Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, while a campaign setting book is a very distinctive sort of campaign setting book. After all, Ravenloft is a different sort of setting. It isn't one single place, you know, a collection of nations on a continent, but rather a series of domains that, while tenuously related, are all really their own demiplanes that don't interact much, if at all, with each other. Exactly how Ravenloft works has changed over the decades. I will spare you the history lesson on the ontology of Ravenloft. Indeed, if you're familiar with old Ravenloft, you'll notice that a significant number of things have changed about the different domains within Ravenloft. And we're not going to get into that here. But just keep in mind, if you're looking for a traditional gazetteer sort of book that has a 5th edition take on exactly what Ravenloft used to be, this book isn't that. Instead, each of the domains in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is based on a theme, a type of horror, a shtick, a trope, however you want to phrase it. They are, in some ways, adventure seeds on a grand scale. Right? It's, it's a campaign setting, you're not going to have a campaign in, probably anyway, you're not going to have a campaign in one of these domains. You're going to pop into one of these domains for just a single adventure. Maybe it's a one-shot. Maybe it's an interlude in a broader campaign. You could potentially have a domain hopping campaign. There's a way that you can do that, but it's not that there's going to be a coherent overall story. It's going to be taking the same characters through different flavors of horror. And I think you can see that when you look at the book, because the book, when it gets into the setting, doesn't immediately launch into descriptions of the domains, but rather descriptions of different types of horror. Body horror, cosmic horror, dark fantasy, folk horror, ghost stories, gothic horror, disaster horror, occult detective stories, psychological horror, and slasher horror. And then when they talk about the domains, they then label each of these domains with one or two of these types of horror, as well as specific hallmarks. So Ravenloft itself is a castle uh, within a specific domain of the Domains of Dread, Barovia, 
and that is the setting for the Curse of Strahd campaign for 5th edition, which, by the way, if you haven't played, you should. And so that is a gothic horror domain, and, you know, it would have hallmarks of, like, creepy mists and vampire lords, right? Because, you know, Barovia is one of the domains that gets a write-up here, although, you know, Curse of Straw is going to give you a much, much more thorough look at Barovia than here. In addition to that, there are about 16 domains that get full write-ups. I'm not going to try to go through here exactly what the nuances of each of those are, but there's a, a cosmic horror illithid domain. There's a political horror that's kind of like Renaissance Italy. There's a traveling carnival. There is a France in the Age of Enlightenment. Lots of illusions, everyone pretending to be higher station than they are. You always have to hide yourself. It's a very psychological horror. There's dire consequences if people find out who you really are behind the scenes. Uh, there's a disaster horror zombie apocalypse siege domain, right? Every month there's a new zombie army that comes out of the mists and it's you know just about getting ground down over and over again there's an ancient egypt one which i'll be honest doesn't really have a lot going for it other than being ancient egypt there's a couple of uh, sort of slow moving magical disaster ones one's more of a just magical disaster the world is disappearing sort of thing it's like the nothing from fantasia maybe the other one is very much, I, I think, using the slow-moving magical disaster as a metaphor for industrialism, right? It, it, it's very much a, you know, after-effects of magical experimentation as pollution and environmental damage. That's also combined with omnipresent surveillance state and a caste system where magic users are considered to be better than everybody else. There is the Frankenstein-inspired world of Lamordia. Lots of golems. Everything's frozen. They twist the Frankenstein tale a little bit. This time, the Frankenstein stand-in, who uh, is Victor Mordenheim, right? The, the twist on this is that she was trying to create a new body for the woman she loves, so very much have a Bride of Frankenstein sort of way, except, you know, accurately identifying who the Frankenstein is. But said love, kind of horrified at the situation, ran off. Anyhow, you know, Frankenstein world. There's a ghost story world, Mordant. I know I said I'd spare the history lessons, but if you'll indulge me, the first Ravenloft adventure obviously was in Ravenloft, right? It was Barovia. That's what started it all. The second Ravenloft adventure, which was just literally called Ravenloft 2, the house on Griffin Hill, was set in Mordant. So this is a very ghost story thing. Everybody who dies comes back as a spirit. Essentially, nobody can move on from the past. There's a plague one. So if you if you want to play in a domain where there is this recurring plague that makes everybody wear masks and drive them into your house, you can do that. Might want to give it a couple of years. I don't know. If you are a big fan of Midsummer, you might want to check out the folk horror setting, which, you know, has a village out there in rural lands, and who knows what creepy things are going on. 
And those are the ones that get full write-ups. There's another 22 domains mentioned, but those are truly just blurbs. But remember, even the full write-up ones are, in a sense, fancy adventure seeds. It's, it's do you want to explore this sort of theme? Do you want to have the characters, I don't know, wake up and find that they are all some sort of Frankenstein monster? Note that, as a horror setting, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft does contain more extensive references to safety tools than any other Dungeons & Dragons book. They even reference the X card. This is welcome, although I would note that it's probably more about what you would be doing as a DM. The book itself is relatively tame here. Sure, there are several sections that are labeled body horror, but none of this is Saw. None of this is the human centipede, right? It is not like gruesome body horror movie sort of stuff that is presented. Now, this is primarily a setting book, and I've been talking about the setting. But of course, as a D&D book, there are character creation options, and I've managed to avoid mentioning those right now. So the biggest thing you're going to get is that there's three new lineages, which are conceptually like templates, but mechanically are more like races. There's the Dampier, the Hexblood, who's created by a Hag's Curse, and the Reborn. That's a Frankenstein's monster or some other sort of unusual resurrection. They either can just be the sole, quote-unquote, race of the character, or you can be a normal race, and then also this. You can be an elf Dampier, or a human Hexblood, or a Dragonborn Reborn, if you like to, you know, rhyme your different options. Almost nothing about the standard race comes through. You're going to get your plus two and plus one in your stats from whatever your lineage is. You're going to get most things from the lineage. You will bring the proficiencies over, and if there's an alternate movement, you bring that over too. There's lots of dark vision going around. There's lots of not needing to breathe. I mean, if you're the reborn is like, I don't need to breathe. I don't need to sleep. I don't need to eat. I'm really good against poison. I have advantage on death saving throws. The dampiers have a little bit of that. You know, they don't have to breathe. They also have a climb speed. They can climb, you know, like spider climb up ceilings and, and on walls. I personally am not as big a fan of the mechanics of the Hexblood because their stuff is more like once per day do this, once per day cast Hex. And I tend to like always on options like movement speeds and vision. There are a couple of new subclasses as well. The College of Spirits for the Bard and the the Undead Patron for the Warlock. The College of Spirits Bard, they get a little extra damage or healing when they're using a spiritual focus, and they can use Bardic Inspiration to generate random rolls on a Spirit Tales table, which is going to usually give some sort of boost to the party or some sort of boost to a particular member of the party, but you <laughs> do not know what it's going to be. Warlock gets a reborn or undead-like abilities, like not needing to eat or breathe. They also get this form of dread that gets better as they level up. Right at the start, it gets temporary hit points and the ability to scare enemies and immunity to fear, but then you can get resistance to necrotic damage, and then you can do extra necrotic damage, and that sort of thing. 
There's also a smattering of other mechanical content. There are dark gifts, which give the character some sort of benefit, but then a penalty that comes up whenever they roll a one on a check, which represents some sort of, you know, dark bargain that the character has made. There's also a couple of new backgrounds, the Haunted One and the Investigator, and several new features that can be plugged into an existing background. There's a pretty lengthy bestiary section for the DM to use, but honestly, probably my single favorite part of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is the adventure that's included. It's just an adventure, it's just for levels 1 and 2, I'm not going to delve into a spoilerific account of it here, but it's a really good haunted mansion story. The characters are going to have to explore the mansion. They're going to commune with the dead, figure out what's going on, and then try to, you know, see how you can resolve this situation. There's a lot of ambiance, creepy vibe throughout the house. There's also several different ways that the DM can configure and play the adventure, depending on exactly what sort of flavor they want. But I really suggest playing House of Lament or running House of Lament if you have the chance. Overall, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft provides a lot of value for a DM looking for horror inspiration. But that value does require effort, right? Because each of these domains is an adventure seed, that requires a lot of thought and effort and tailoring to figure out how to take this theme and tease it out into a normal adventure. Because you can't just rely on your usual fantasy adventure tropes, right? That's that's kind of the point, right? You're getting something that's different here. You're going to have to work a little bit more to get there. But definitely worth checking out if you're looking for that sort of thing. All right, so that's it for Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. I'm again going to say that I think that next episode we will have Vampire the Masquerade. So that'll be, you know, essentially two horror role-playing game episodes in a row. See you then. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there, or on iTunes or Spotify, or ask your Amazon Alexa to do it. We should be wherever it is that you go to get podcasts. If we're not, please let me know. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your comments, criticisms, and feedback. You can find us at the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly, at Strange Assembly on Instagram. You can look for Strange Assembly on YouTube. You can, of course, look for Strange Assembly on Patreon. All of these, you know, usual things that we regurgitate at the end of every episode, like every other podcast or video series or whatever, right? But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson. This is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.